The NFL season is about to begin, so I am welcoming Jordan Cohen back to the This Is Believe One podcast. How's it going, James? It's going pretty good. Um, Browns are getting ready to go, and uh, I have concerns. <laughs> yep, I am there with you. I got, I got a laundry list. I, I have a similar laundry list, a similar list of things. Um, I, I wrote something today, you know, five bold predictions for the Browns this year, and I, I don't know how much, how many of them you agree with, how many you disagree with. Uh, where are you at? Yeah, so I, I mean, I think overall, even if I so like, for your example, you you have this Case Keenum point, right? That yes. Case Keenum will start not because Baker's getting injured. Yes. I totally could see that happening. I don't think it will happen. Again, mm-hmm. I know we have some like a decent golf on Baker, mm-hmm. on our opinions of Baker, but I could see it happening. So even the ones I disagree with, like the, these bold predictions, I also kind of like I could totally see happening. And so nothing I kind of disagree with is that strong of a disagreement. And then there are some things on there that I actually, I mean, I think it's fair, right? The Browns have no defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and this idea, like. That do I think the Browns will be worse defensively than last year? No, because they were literally the worst defense in the NFL last year. So, so they could improve and still be awful. Yes. Is there any? Well, let's start with this. Let's start with it this way. Uh, is there any that you are like? Yes, I one hundred percent agree with one of my bold predictions. The defense one, one hundred percent. I think it's a bottom five unit in the league. I think it could be a bottom three unit in the league. Yeah, I, I am not a, a big fan of their defense. I'm not. I wasn't a big fan of their approach to their defense uh, this year. I, I know it's an organizational philosophy to not really invest in linebackers, and that's something that Philadelphia also did. So that's possibly why Andrew Barry is recreating that same formula in Cleveland. But I am not a big fan of it. Uh, they, they essentially just said, "To hell with the linebacker position. We're going to do almost nothing." Yeah, I, I, I mean, I like this kid Weaver they signed, but he's a kid, right? Mm-hmm. He's not a, he's not going to be great this year. But I, I think what the difference between Cleveland's defensive approach and Philadelphia's is that Philadelphia has this Fletcher Cox guy who I think may be the second best defensive player in the entire NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so their defensive line stops running. We were talking about this pre-podcast that – one of the reasons, like, Olivier Vernon's got to be important this year is he's the best run defender on that defensive line, and he's a really good run defender. Mm-hmm. And the second they get past that, runners get past that defensive line, it's going to be a problem. I, I, I think the Browns are going to have this weird defense where they still probably rank towards the bottom in run defense, but it won't necessarily look like that when you watch because I think the defensive line is going to get a lot of, like, great hits. Mm-hmm. The problem is when the defensive when it get, running back gets past the defensive line. This is the NFL. That's going to happen every game, multiple times a game. It's the NFL. I have no idea how they're stopping the running back. Like it's no. weird to me in a sense. We're using the zone blocking scheme, right? And the idea behind the zone blocking scheme is you don't target players, you target zones. Mm-hmm. I am confused as to how our offense has adopted this precisely to attack teams like Philadelphia. Yeah, we're like, okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. Let's do it on defense. Mm-hmm. And, and, again, I, I'm there on the linebacker thing. I don't necessarily 
think it's a position worth investing a lot of money in. However, this just, I mean, this seems tragically short. And again, maybe this Weaver kid's great. Maybe when Mac comes back in week four or five, he comes back great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I personally just don't feel all that great going into, you know, week one against Baltimore. And we're throwing out uh, BJ Goodson and Sione Taki Taki. Um <laughs> I just it's it's a concern to me, and you know what if anything they get from anywhere else <laughs> for any of their linebackers. Yeah, I mean again, the defensive line is just going to be crucial. It, it, listen, the pass defense better be good because if it's not good, it, this is going to be a problem. And I'm not totally sold on their secondary. Um, Denzel Ward's good when healthy. But Denzel Ward's amazing when healthy. Denzel Ward is a top ten quarterback in the NFL when healthy. But again, when healthy, when healthy, yeah. And so we're we're fighting that uphill battle already with the with healthy tag. Uh, Greedy Williams, uh, I don't think he's playing week one, but that might have changed. He's he's a question mark health wise right now, and what we saw last year was hardly encouraging. As you know, I am not a big fan of their safeties. What do you think about Rodney Harrison? Because I actually, I think he walks in as the best safety on the team. Uh, I like bringing in Rodney Harrison. Um, basically, give me less Carl Joseph and Andrew Sandejo. Uh, anything mm-hmm. to make that a possibility, I'm all for. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's not necessarily about you know how great I feel about Harrison. It's about give me less of those two. But I, I like Harrison. They got a guy that was a starter. And they brought mm-hmm. him in, and they didn't have to spend a whole lot to get him here, so that's that's a win in that regard. But, I mean, it's it's the safety position overall. I'm still not... I, Harrison improves the group, mm-hmm. but I still think it's not great to begin with. Yeah, I mean, I think the Delpit... So, last time I was on the podcast, not mm-hmm. the Premier League one, but the Browns discussion we were having, we talked about this, that... One injury to that safety group, especially to Grant Delpit, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you're looking at like a horror house. Mm -hmm. Like there's just, it's scary. It's it's literally a horror film. Mm -hmm. Um, and and, I mean the Browns had Joe Hayden, who was a top five corner in the NFL for like two years there, and I think they won four games one year and six games the next. Denzel Ward could play all sixteen games as a top ten corner in the NFL. That doesn't make you have a good pass defense. Mm And I think Rodney Harrison isn't a question mark. I think he walks in as a, at a worst, a middle-of-the-pack safety. I think odds are he's really young. He's going to continue to improve. The question is by how much. But worst case, he's middle-of-the-pack. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the defense, like, not a, let's say Greedy Williams is healthy and plays week one. What Greedy Williams are we seeing? Because there was a few games last year where Greedy looked great. Like, the uh, the first Pittsburgh game, mm-hmm. Greedy was outstanding. Yeah. The second Pittsburgh game, I, I mean, you might as well have just had nobody out there. Mm-hmm. And so are we getting the good greedy? I mean, he was a rookie, so it's possible. Or are we getting the bad greedy? Yeah. Or, or more than likely, we're probably going to get some middle version, which is a greedy that has improved from last year, but still is one of the weaker starting corners in the NFL. That's that's um, very, it's very possible, and we also have questions about the slot corner because that Kevin Johnson, I have no idea when he's going to play. I'm still mad they let um, 
what's his face Carrie go yeah that to me I mean the the lacerated uh liver not his fault but even before this Kevin Johnson has not been the picture of health during his career no no I mean and Kevin Johnson's really really good when healthy and I actually think what I, so what I've read in training about training camp is the plan is actually to have Kevin Johnson start opposite Denzel Ward. Mm-hmm. And when you bring in a third corner, you move Kevin Johnson over to slot and then bring Greedy in. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this defense is a house of glass um, or glass house. Like one stone and it all comes cra- collapsing down. Ironically, I actually think the defensive line is one of the deeper positions. Yeah. Um, Defensive line, I'm perfectly fine with their defensive line. Um, so long to Chad Thomas. Happy trails. Uh, <laughs> His music career is going to be great, man. Hey, uh, everyone go bump some major nine. Um, <laughs> but defensive line, I'm fine with. I mean, it's everything else. It's just like they are really going to make this defensive line irrelevant. Yep. I, I mean... The defensive line, I think, needs to be and more than likely will be a top 10 unit in the NFL. Mm-hmm. If you have that and the secondary stays more or less healthy from where it is right now, I think maybe they're not a bottom five defense. Maybe they're a bottom 10 defense. Maybe they're even closer to middle of the pack. I just, I, I mean, it, there's... I can't remember the last NFL season the Browns have had, and it's not. This is not just a Browns problem. This is mm-hmm. NFL problem where your secondary stays healthy all year. That's not how it works. It, it's been a minute. Yeah, I mean, it's not how it works. No team has a fully healthy secondary all season. They, they get whacked all game long, mm-hmm. and then sometimes they get blocked. I mean, these guys get. It, 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 it's not going to be perfectly healthy, and so. Let's say you lose Denzel Ward for two two games. Uh, you're, you're not going to stop the pass those two games. Mm-hmm. Let's say you lose Kevin Johnson and Rodney Harrison for two games each, it, it, whether together or apart. Add the Denzel Ward. I mean, then you're looking at six games where there's major holes on that defense. I mean, there are holes now, but... Yeah, they become, it, they become right. huge at that point. If the only hole is linebacker... And everybody else, everything else is covered. Mm-hmm. You can deal with that. The problem is when there's one injury, all of a sudden the only hole isn't linebacker anymore. Yeah, and we've had multiple injuries before they even played a game. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, just the lack of discipline. Like Mac Wilson's hit on Chubb, to me, is like. I mean, if Nick Chubb is a freak. If Mac Wilson did that to another running back, he could have killed the other running back. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really like that was a that was one of the worst hits I've seen. It just and so that's what you're going to throw out there after week four. Mm-hmm. And it's I find it interesting that the the Mac Wilson hit did not get as much attention as one as I thought it should have, and. If it would have happened last year compared to this year, yeah, I mean the answer is probably yes because we had Miles Garrett take a helmet and we all know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just think that 
So I think the real question is if it would have happened with Greg Williams, because for all of his faults, I think the answer to that is clearly a no. Yeah. Um, but I, like I, and this is a Mac Wilson problem. This has been a Mac Wilson problem since he was in Alabama. Like mm-hmm. we knew this when we drafted Mac Wilson that he has like, and people like that about their linebacker, right? Like the linebackers just like for road for, and that's cool if your linebacker is Troy Pop or not Troy Palma is a safety, but like Ray Lewis, right? Like mm-hmm. Ray Lewis can do whatever he wants in practice because he's Ray Lewis. Mm-hmm. Mac Wilson cannot do whatever he wants in practice. And especially when it's hitting the Browns best player. Yeah. Absolutely agree. I mean, what does this team look like if Nick Chubb misses four games? <laughs> oh jeez. I mean uh... but, Really bad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm looking back to that end run with Kyle Shanahan as the OC when everything fell apart. Yep. That's that's what I'm looking at. Yep. And, and I mean, yeah, I, it just, and I actually like that they kept De Ernest Johnson instead of Hillier just based on what I saw from camp. It seems like De Ernest Johnson more than likely will not play unless there is an injury to Chubb. Mm-hmm. And he would then split with Kareem Hunt. But I actually do like, like, he looks like he's kind of a downhill, but, like, very, like, shifty runner. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fine. Like, he's not great. But it, it, this whole team, like, this whole team is just, we lack that. And mm-hmm. so it's a group of starters. I'm really, opti- like, I, I, I'm okay with the starters. I'm pretty optimistic, I think. And, and I was telling you this pre-podcast, and I said this last time, but... I think the best case is 10 and 6. I think if everybody stays more or less healthy and the offense clicks, um, not necessarily early, but like within the first kind of four games, mm-hmm. I think 10 and 6 is very plausible. The second you start adding injuries, then you're very quickly at 8 and 8. And if the offense doesn't click until week four, then you probably are bringing in Case Keenum sooner than later. Um, and you're talking 6, 10, 7, 9. Yeah. So it's just built. It's built on a house of cards. It 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 really is. Oh, it it just takes one thing, and it's just a domino effect, and it's just mm-hmm. gonna like you. I don't want to be here in middle of December, you know, with the team approaching double digit losses, being like I tried telling you guys all the way back in May, but I feel like we'll, we're going to get to that point at the end of the season where. They've secured another losing season. Uh, they've they haven't. They have tons of issues on offense, and I'm going to be sitting here just doing the taking a terrible victory lap, saying "I told you so." Yeah, I mean, I actually feel like I, I think if Chubb can stay healthy, and I was telling you this before, I think Chubb is going to put together in this type of offense. I, I think the season could will be borderline historic. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the one thing we know about Stefanski is at least from last year when he's down he doesn't just go straight to pass which is what Freddie Kitchens did like Stefanski will continue to run until it seems like you're not going to catch up if you continue to run the ball but he usually gives it like a 14 points like when you're down 14 points he starts throwing the ball more um, and because of that I think Chubb's going to have a phenomenal phenomenal season I think it'll be interesting what the team looks like. 
My best guess is this is a 7-9 team, but a team that in many areas shows improvement. Um, and I think that the problem going in next year is that, again, I think Baker's going to improve enough, uh, be close enough to his first season where we kind of were okay with him. Mm-hmm. But if, like your prediction says, happens, right, and that after the bye week, Case Keenum's your starter, you're probably not picking high enough to get one of those top two quarterbacks. No, you're not. And it's not worth drafting the third quarterback. Third quarterback, like after the top two, your chances of success are so, so small. Um, and so then the question is, well, what are you doing next year? Because the answer is probably rolling in with Case Keenum as your starter. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Case Keenum and uh, Baker Mayfield, and I, I don't know what they would would do. Um, I mean, that's why we just like if the team is seven and nine, but Baker looks like a middle of the pack quarterback, that's fine. Like, it sucks that we didn't have a winning season, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, the worst world is we go six, ten, seven, and nine, and Baker Mayfield gets benched halfway through. Um, because I like Case Keenum a lot, actually. He's not Ryan Tannehill. He's not going to put... Like, he did it in Minnesota, but I feel like it's one of those seasons where it happens once, where you put together that type of season, if you're Case Keenum. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's what scares me. Yeah, I, I'm just... I'm very... I'm very concerned with what they'll what they're going to get out of Baker Mayfield this season. I'm very concerned with what their their future is at the quarterback position. Um, I'm... I just, I cannot, you know, pull myself to say, yes, Baker Mayfield's going to turn it around because of this offense. No, and that's fair. It, it, the way I, I, I think quarterbacks can succeed in certain types of offense, and this could be one that he could be successful in. But the way I've always looked at quarterbacks is that, you know, the best quarterbacks, the guys you want to build your franchise around, are the ones that can succeed and adapt in any offensive scheme outside of running, let's say, the triple option. Um, But what we've seen out of Baker Mayfield is he is not someone who can succeed in any sort of offense. He needs a very specific set of circumstances to be successful, and that is literally the description of an average system quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, and I said this last time, like, I think Baker Mayfield at his best is kind of in your Dak Prescott tier. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm higher, I'm pretty high in Dak Prescott. But I think it's like, at his best, he's at the top of that tier of quarterbacks where he is not going to be good enough to succeed whoever the coach is, succeed with whoever the coach is. He's not going to be a kind of like a Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, even somebody like a Philip Rivers or Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just, I, I, it could, right? It's in the range of possible outcomes, just like the in the range of possible outcomes is Baker plays on Sunday and then never plays an NFL snap again. Um, it's in the range. And I think becoming that good is probably more likely than the latter. Um, ha- however, I think his best, like the 75th percentile outcome, is kind of that Dak Prescott, Jimmy G, which is, it's fine. And generally these guys are going to need a cert, they're going to have limits 
that mm-hmm. prevent them from like Baker Mayfield will never be an air raid quarterback ever. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen. Baker Mayfield's never going to succeed in the Bruce Arians offense. We saw Kitchens and Haley run last year. Yeah. Like again, that's just not going to happen. But I think there are other schemes like zone blocking to me is just the one that makes the most sense. But I think there are other schemes that are kind of intermediate passing, like more of the power style, like mm-hmm. like kind of what Pete Carroll does in Seattle. I mean, obviously Baker's not Russell Wilson, but like that type of offense I could see him in. But you're right. Like I, I think that there are going to just be limits, which is fine. I mean, you can win with limits. Mm-hmm. I, winning the Super Bowl is so statistically improbable that I, I just and when it happens, it's very rare and we know that because it almost seems like every year the number two and the Super Bowl sucks the year after mm-hmm. or is just not as good. And, and I think that is very like it, it just it takes some luck to get there. Um but I I'm okay with that. I'm okay with not having a Super Bowl because we haven't seen the a winning season in so so long. It's like, been over a decade. And if you're asking me do I think Baker could very well become a quarterback that could lead the Browns to the playoffs somewhat regularly and have a lot of winning seasons. Yeah, I do. I think it's not necessarily the most likely outcome, but I think it's a definite plausible outcome. Um, I think the most likely outcome is he's Kirk Cousins. Like, fine. Like, Kirk mm-hmm. Cousins is fine. He's not... It, more than likely, you're never going to win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins unless all the stars line. Yeah. But Kirk Cousins is going to be better than most alternatives you could find in any given season. And that's what the Vikings have found out. Like, Mm -hmm. Kirk Cousins isn't great, but you keep him until you get in a draft where there's a quarterback you really like. And I think that's what Baker's kind of ultimate career outcome is going to be. Yeah, Uh, you know, that's that's pretty much, you know, where I'm at is I, I think that's his absolute ceiling is, you know, Kirk Cousins. But yeah. I mean, I think that's the ceiling for this year. I think long-term, the ceiling's higher. Um, but I do think, like, this year's ceiling is kind of that Kirk Cousins level, which is fine. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. I, it's it's so tough, right? Because year one and throughout college, we saw a quarterback that is very different than what we saw in year two. Mm-hmm. And the question is why? And, like, sometimes it happens. There's just sophomore slumps. Um, okay. Sometimes you just have really bad coaching. And I, I've seen both of these things, and both are accurate. I also watched all the games last year, and there were serious problems Baker has. And, like, I know on Twitter you pointed out, and you may want to talk about it, but about his rollouts. Yes. He's, he's someone who succeeds when rolling out. That's one of his strengths is he can throw on the run on designed rollouts. My concern isn't the rollouts. It's when he has to do a, a straight drop back or he's not rolling out or, you know, moving in the pocket that way. He gets happy feet, and he, yeah. he doesn't look comfortable. And yeah. I've seen this exact, I guess, uh, this exact situation play out with so many other quarterbacks, and it doesn't end well. Because you're going to be throwing, I mean, people were so, I guess, talking up his better footwork, better mechanics, but when I see someone with happy feet, it doesn't matter how good your designed, uh, you know, your footwork or mechanics on a designed rollout are if you're doing a straight drop back and you're, like, bouncing and, you know, moving back and forth real quick, it doesn't, yeah. it, it's com- it completely goes out the window. Yeah, and I mean, I think with certain, 
again, you can do what San Francisco did last year, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because Jimmy Garoppolo has severe limits too. Um, And you just, you design an offense where the only time Jimmy Garoppolo is throwing long is on play action. If it's a straight drop back, you're running a slant or a curl route um, or variations of the sort. Mm -hmm. Um, But the problem is when you hit a good defense, like Kansas City was not a good defense. Um, They were not. And, And in all reality, San Francisco was the better team for the first three and a half quarters of that game. Mm-hmm. But like, think about the year before with New England versus the Rams. Mm-hmm. New England took away the one thing the Rams knew they had to have for Garoppolo to be successful. And it was a spread out pocket or a mm-hmm. spread, out, spread out field. Sorry, not pocket, spread yeah. out field. And the Patriots said, okay, well, we'll rush two. We won't even try to get pressure on Jared Goff. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's where those, like, it came into play this year with the Vikings, right? When the Vikings lost, which is, like, there are limits. And it didn't matter. Like, people really criticized Stefanski for that loss. But I actually, like, I watched the Vikings, all the Vikings games this summer, like, when I was just COVIDing. COVID, like stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched all the Vikings games. There, there was nothing Stefanski could have done in that situation. Yeah, but like there was nothing. I, I don't know what people wanted him to do because 49ers were a good defense, and like it, there was nothing he could do. It, Kirk Cousins was not going to be able to read the field fast enough mm-hmm. for them to be successful passing. So you just got to run, and he tried it, and because it was all he could do, and it. Didn't really work, but I, and the question is, is that Baker Mayfield? Um, and so there again, you'll win enough games most regular seasons to make the playoffs. You won't advance far in the playoffs mm-hmm. because teams will just know how to beat you, and yeah. they'll be able to practice it. I mean, do you feel the same way about his footwork? The footwork is definitely a concern. I was. I get why they did it, and to be fair, like I've watched a lot of football, I've studied a lot of football mm-hmm. uh, throughout my life. I've never played football, yeah. So I, I can't, don't take this as gospel, I guess. But I thought it was weird they were trying to change his footwork. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was already a problem. Figure out how to get him to make it not a problem with the current way he drops back. And then make the changes. I, I feel like they just got those two steps wrong. And so I think we're not going to see a lot of improvement. And again, what Stefanski's going to have to do and what he's going to do. Like, admittedly, I have full faith that Stefanski's basically, I, I guess, 70 to 75% of Baker's passes are going to be play actions, rollouts, or both. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. I, I think that'll work because you have such a great running game. But the footwork's going to be a problem, right? On those 20 to 25% of plays when it's not a problem, right? Yeah. I think what you're going to see Baltimore do, and we were talking again about this off air, but I think next week what Baltimore is going to do, I think the first half will be somewhat close. And then Baltimore's just going to stop playing the play action is run. They're not going to read run first. They're going to read pass. Mm-hmm. And if Nick Chubb goes for 200 yards in the second half, they'll be okay with that. Yeah. Because they'll be able to match that. Um and they'll have the ball for longer, or at least long enough to continue to score. And Baker's not going to be able to throw. And then you get one to two mistakes from Baker that half, and that's it. That's all you need. Yeah. 
it, it's it, it could it could very well end up like exactly like that. And um, we also described or you know went back and forth about you know how Baltimore will pressure uh, Cleveland yep. and. You brought up a great point about you know the zone blocking scheme because my initial thought was J.C. Treader's not there. Why Tellers are just just stack and send power there? You know send blitzes through there. But you're like that's not going to work. I'm like, you're right. Show pressure off the edge and do a delayed right. blitz up the middle. I, right. That's going to destroy Baker. I, I just yep. I I I've seen it a thousand times from the Ravens. They've been they've been doing they've executed that play to perfection for two decades. Yeah. And they didn't do it last year because we weren't running zone blocking. They didn't do it the year before because their defense just wasn't good enough. I think this year they're gonna. That's what's gonna happen. I think that'll happen fairly early on. I think what where they're gonna struggle is stopping Nick Chubb. But like, we've seen this story before with a really great running back, and the rest of the offense just isn't adequate. Yeah. The Ravens have a great defense. I, I don't think this will be a problem against every team. But it's going to be against Baltimore. It, it definitely will be uh, an issue against Baltimore. Uh, one last thing about Baker before we uh, jump on to another one of my bold points here, uh, or bold predictions. So a lot of the clips they've, uh, the Browns and people have been sharing on, uh, you know, from Baker throwing great passes or, you know, plays that are looking awesome, you know, people getting excited. I haven't been impressed with them as other people have. You know, from one aspect that's, you know, the happy feet in the pocket. The other was a, a throw to Harrison Bryant down by uh, down by the uh, the pylon. Yep, yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, that was just an absolute floater pass, and that was the exact type of pass that got Njoku hurt last year. Yep. And I'm just like... I'm not that impressed by some of these highlights that people are going crazy for. Am I, am I just completely looking at this wrong, or, or am I more right than wrong here? I mean, I think you're more right than wrong, maybe for a different reason, though, which is every year, mm-hmm. every year. And last year is just my favorite example. I remember people were saying that it that camp, like, yeah, the offense was having problems, but it was because the defense was so amazing. And I remember I went to Browns backers the first game of the year and we were just talking about, you know, the offense is going to be good, but we're really excited about the defense. Like everything we were reading, the defense was going to be amazing. And then what happened? (laughs) turns out it wasn't that the defense was amazing. It was that the offense was just so, so bad. Mm -hmm. And this happens every year. One of the units inevitably looks great in camp Mm -hmm. or they both look great um, because the other one just sucks so much. But Generally speaking, only one will look great. And then everybody gets excited about it. And I, I'm guilty of this a lot of years. Mm-hmm. Last year included. And this year, it's the offense. Everybody's like, the offense this year looks incredible. Yeah, the defense was better early, but the offense figured it out. They are incredible. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see is a, is, a, is a good way to, to put it. I don't think so. I, it, I, I think I, I just I, it would be zone blocking is not a difficult offense to pick up like teams do it. But it's really difficult to pick up kind of the advanced level intricacies, which is like what Shanahan said about this year, that they're adding kind of like the final pieces to the puzzle mm-hmm. for Garoppolo. 
Unless Stefanski's crazy, which from all everything I've read and heard him say, he's not. Like he's not. He's a mm-hmm. really intelligent guy. The, it's going to be a very simplistic offense. I find it hard to believe that this offense is going to be at another level. I think it'll be fine. Like I think it'll be good because of Chubb. Um, yes. And because I, the offensive line, excuse me, sorry, uh, the offensive line has supposedly looked really good, and I believe that at least on like a variety of kind of different ways. Like I believe the offensive line has been good. I I really like Jedrick Wills. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a really good tackle for us. I love Jack Conklin. Like, talk about literally the best blocking right tackle the Browns could have gotten they got, um, which is great. I'm really excited about those two. But until we see them do it against a real defense, and it doesn't need to be Baltimore. I would be fine if we, whatever happens with Baltimore happens, if the week after we go to Cincinnati and the offense looks good, then I will take the mulligan, as you may too, and say, like, listen, maybe we were wrong. Maybe there is, like, not that we were wrong, but, like, it's possible. Right, maybe the, there is something to this. Right now, my my view is broad. It's not just I I don't buy what we're seeing out of Baker. It's I don't buy anything we see in camp. Not when there's no preseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, it could be uh the offense is looking good because the defense is so bad. That's my uh, point. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just... yeah, I definitely think that is very very possible. Is that we're we're being fooled here, and I think I think that's a possibility. Um, from what I've heard and what I've read, uh, they're still in the process of installing the offense. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, interesting. <laughs> was, Not surprising. It's, uh, I know things are are weird, but you you would hope that the installation process has at least been uh, further along because when, I, I when think, other, yeah. when you you hear the beat writers talk about it and they're, and they're also surprised that the words installing the offense are still being used. Right. It, it gives a, uh, some level of concern. Well, and, and so it's funny because with zone blocking scheme, like overall, there's probably 10 to 20 different run, plays you can use Mm -hmm. and really kind of the big difference that makes those a lot more than 10 to 20 is you can run them out of 8 million different formations my guess is that's all already installed my guess is they went into this offseason saying we're not gonna have a lot of time if we're gonna install anything it's going to be the run offense i think the run offense will be great even against baltimore i'm not worried about that i think the pass offense is going to be play action and play action rollouts and like maybe some slant routes Stuff like that. I think it's going to be very simplistic. And again, I think against Baltimore, the first half, it may actually not look terrible because Baltimore is going to, like, you've not seen it before. Come second half, Baltimore is going to know what they're doing. Yeah. So uh, I agree. Yeah. Uh, one little one little note about the, the Week 2 matchup uh, against the Bengals. Um. That game actually happens to be taking place on my birthday, and the Cleveland Browns have not won actually on my birthday since 2000. Well, so I have good news for you. <laughs> Last year, the Browns played the Ravens on my birthday in Baltimore. I, I live in D.C., so mm-hmm. I, my two friends and I went to the game, and we won. Yes. And so, you know what? I, I think this is a trend. I, I think 
2020 has been so weird. 2019 was weird, but 2020 has been so weird Mm -hmm. that I think you should have some confidence. It's your birthday, man. And it's weird. It's 2020. I'm hoping. uh, (laughs) I'm hoping that, you know, 2020 birthday is, you know, everything's been so bizarre world that it goes in the right direction. Um, But I've, I've watched the Browns play either on or on my birthday for that I can remember for, for two decades now since I've been able to watch them, you know, because of television and all the other stuff. They lose more often than not on my birthday, but they've been a, a terrible team for 20 years. But I just find it interesting. The last time they won on my birthday was September 17, 2000. <laughs> they were 2-1 and one at that moment in time. Woo! They proceeded to only win one more game the rest of that season. Yeah, so maybe <laughs> we're rooting for them to lose. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, to be fair, I am much slower on Cincinnati than a lot of people. I, 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 just, I, I think their coach is really good. I have very little faith in Burrow learning an entire – like, I know they're saying, like, they brought in people and this offense mm-hmm. is going to be more similar to what Burrow ran at LSU. Yeah, I don't buy it. Because Burrow did not run zone blocking. He, mm-hmm. It was not his own blocking team offense. I guess they did a little bit of it. But I I think Burrow's going to struggle. I think the defense will be better just because they have a lot of players returning from injury. But their secondary is still awful. Like, they – I. If you think the Browns secondary is bad, go look at Cincinnati's. It is <laughs> horrid. So I, I'm not super worried about the Cincinnati game. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I, 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 there are a few games that people are really worried about that I, I don't think are going to be problems. I even think there's, like, Philadelphia to me is the key one where I actually think the Browns could win that just because of Philadelphia, Philadelphia's linebackers and injuries they've had to kind of their receiver core. But to me, like, those aren't the games that, I mean, the Browns should be worried I don't think fans should be worried about those mm-hmm. games Pittsburgh like I, I and I said this before the podcast I think Pittsburgh's gonna win the AFC North this year it's very, it's very, so, it's very possible I think the the AFC North title is going to be I guess more contentious than it was last year because Baltimore just ran away with it yeah and I think the Browns are going to be better just from like a performance standpoint than last year Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, because it would be hard not to, right? Like yeah. we won six games, but the numbers actually look like we may, probably should have won three or four. Yeah. Um, in <laughs> a lot of times, it was just Chubb. Like you got lucky beats of Chubb, or you played just a team that was not playing well. Mm-hmm. You, um, you played the the Jets minus Sam Darnold. Right. Exactly. Um, I, I just picked up Sam Darnold. Whoever this kid they drafted in the fourth round was his backup. Now mm-hmm. I picked him up in my dynasty team. Because you know what? I have no faith in Sam Darnold staying healthy. I have no faith in Sam Darnold as a quarterback, but that's a Me either, right? It was a perfect <laughs> signing. Um, but, but like, in, like, that's game. Like, I'm not worried about the Jets. Yeah. They don't scare me. It's the AFC North games. Mm-hmm. I, I think they'll split with the Bengals. You made a prediction that they go 1-5 in the AFC North. Yeah. I had them as 2-4. and four. I figured they would win one against Baltimore or Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah. And I, the funny thing is whether it's four or five, I don't even think that's the big problem. Like, it's a big problem long-term. But, like, yeah. in the short term, that's not the big problem this year. The big problem is, like, we have no idea what we have. And I that's what I'm try, try to emphasize over and over, whether it's on this podcast, I've done another podcast, or on Twitter, or on Real Browns fans. What I've tried to say 
over and over again is we just don't know. That's and the correct. safe thing to do when you don't know is to view both outlooks. Mm-hmm. And the negative outlook seems more plausible. Now, maybe that's just because we're Browns fans. <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> but but it does seem more plausible. And we just don't know. May, I, it is theoretically possible they come out. Baker looks like year one Baker, but better. Mm-hmm. And the team tears it up, wins 10, 11 games, makes the playoffs. It's possible. It is like it, there's so much, so much we don't know about what this team's going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I, I would like to know just a little bit more. Like the only thing we know for certain is Nick Chubb is probably the best running back in the NFL. Yeah, that's it. That scares me. <laughs> it is. It is. It's. It's very concerning. It's very concerning because there's so many unknowns with this team. Um, you don't know what level of performance you're going to get out of certain players. I feel like we have a good idea of what the defense is, but it's mostly the offense that are just like a uh, grab bag, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny. I actually disagreed with your Landry thing, not because I think oh, okay. Odell's going to do better. Um, I think Land- I think you're right there. I actually think it's gonna, you're going to see somebody like a Kareem Hunt or an Austin Hooper be the best receiver on the team. I, mean, I actually, I think Landry's going to struggle in this offense. Really, he's not fast enough, and I don't know how Stefanski plans to use him. Mm-hmm. Um, to be fair, I'm not sure Odell is going to be great in this. I think Odell could be great in this offense, but I also think Baker and Odell just have no chemistry. They don't. They have zero chemistry. I mean, and I guess my whole, uh, my you know, my prediction there is that you know Landry would lead the team in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. So all three, and that's. Only because I view Landry as someone who's versatile and someone who can be successful in pretty much any type of offense. And we've seen, you know, chemistry that Baker lacks with Odell have with Landry. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a big thing. I actually think that scenario is more likely if Baker's good enough to stay the quarterback the entire season. If, 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 if there's a, a quarterback switch to Case Keenum, uh, Austin Hooper season. Um, <laughs> I actually think if it's Case Keenum, I think you'll see Odell have a phenomenal year. Really? Because if you look at what Case Keenum has been throughout his career, so Minnesota, Denver, and Washington, I guess Washington wasn't many games. So Minnesota and Denver, mm-hmm. he relies on that number one receiver and, and the tight end too. But like that number one guy, Keenum gets him the ball over and over and over and over again. That's what Case Keenum does. And he does it really well. Um, and so I actually think Odell has a really good season if Keenum comes in. I think you're probably right that Landry looks just kind of like the best out there with Baker. I do think a guy like Kareem Hunt's a wild card because I think Kareem Hunt's going to be very kind of this slot guy, more of a receiver that can run like a Debo Samuel last year. Mm-hmm. And I could see that being like this weird kind of chemistry thing that keeps Baker alive. That like whenever he has a problem... They put, uh, sorry, uh, they, they put, um, I literally just said his name, Kareem Hunt. Yes. Uh, sorry, brain fart. This is what COVID <laughs> does, man. Like, I don't, I'm not COVID, but like COVID times does. Yeah. Uh, anyways, Kareem Hunt, the, I think what they'll do a lot is they'll put him in motion. Baker's going to find him mm-hmm. frequently. Um, and, and I think that's cool. Like, I, I could see that being a thing, but... Yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree with you largely. I, I like Landry a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that 
Stefan it's going to take work and I think like when they talk about installing that's somebody that I think they probably have not installed a lot yet because they just trust his intelligence Mm -hmm. that you've installed some passing plays that are mainly designed for Baker and Jarvis we're just going to trust that you know what to do out in the field yeah and I think that's probably what's going to happen the first few weeks I think like after week three you're going to see Jarvis explode yeah because they'll finish to install yeah I just I feel that Landry is just more adaptable than than the other guys. And there's also the question of health when it comes to Odell. Because last year was the first year in three or four years he played all 16 games. Yeah. Also, he was hurt all 16 games. Yeah. And he he played all 16, so the first time since 2016 he played the entire season. What bothers me most about the Odell narrative is this idea that Odell is not a good locker room guy. Because... Every time, like Odell was a leader in the Giants locker room. And do you remember the San Francisco game last year where the entire team had quit? So Odell wants to go out there for the kick return because he wants to make the team continue to fight. Mm-hmm. I think Odell's a leader. Um, I also watch Odell a lot because the Giants are always on television. <laughs> Odell's a really, I, I'm sorry, like what we saw from Odell last year is not Odell. Yeah. It's not. Like it, that was terrible usage by Freddie and Baker and him had no chemistry Correct. because. The second they trade Odell probably to the 49ers is the second you see Odell back in kind of like these top five receiver conversations. So Stefanski's got to figure out how to use him because he is that good. I'm like, I'm sorry. He is. He's that good. So I think that Odell can be, you know, a leader type, but at the same time, I do think he's someone who is highly, you know, volatile. (laughs) He's flamboyant. And he can become an issue, but he isn't necessarily always an issue. He's someone that, if just because he's he's not just because he's a leader, doesn't mean he can't be an issue in the locker room. Is essentially what I'm trying I, to get. I, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's very similar, to like Adam Thielen, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, last year in Minnesota, and to be fair, Stavansky figured that one out. But um, I think it's very similar insofar as I think he's a leader. I don't think he's a locker room cancer at all. I think he's also really extremely talented. I think what happens is he gets highly influential in these locker rooms, which is what we heard last year. Like mm-hmm. Odell was very influential. And what you don't want to happen is to have the influential player turn on the head coach or turn on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be fair, last year, Odell could have done either and didn't, which is incredible because I'm sorry, like if I were in Odell's shoes, um, and I'm nowhere close to as talented as Odell at anything as Odell is at football. But if I were in issues, oh, I, I would have turned my, I would have quit. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, sorry, man, we're done. Like, I'm not, I'm not going out there and being a decoy. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So credit to Odell there. I agree yes. with you. I think it can be a problem. Very similar to how Adam Thielen can be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, the receivers, they're like flamboyant. I don't mean that in any, like, anything other than like receivers as a group regardless of race or anything like that are very flamboyant um and when they're really talented that can become an influential that becomes a problem or it can become a problem mm-hmm. so i agree with you i think if odell doesn't do as well as landry what probably happened is they traded the mid-season of the 49ers now you mentioned the 49ers twice is there something that you're that you just have like a gut feeling about or you're... oh the 49ers have wanted odell since odell was in new york they they called the browns last uh during the trade mid trade deadline last year and they've called them this summer and that's like reported like I, i've seen that in 
some of the 49ers guys. And one of the guys, I, I can't remember his name. He's bald. He writes for the athletic, but, um, he was reporting it too. Uh, San Francisco wants Odell. Okay. The Browns don't want to trade Odell. It sounds like San Francisco's offered one of their younger receivers. So not Debo Samuel, but they have a bunch of other guys they've drafted because that's what Shanahan does in a first round pick. Um, which honestly is a pretty good return for give, considering what you traded him for. You're getting close to the same thing. And I think if he if it looks like he and Baker still have no chemistry and he's not a positive impact out there, I think they trade him at the trade deadline, no matter how the team's doing. Yeah, so looking at Odell, after the season, no dead cap on the books. Right. Uh, so he becomes more of a trade candidate at that point. But right. the Browns are also, uh, oh, by the way, Browns salary cap champions again. Congratulations. Yep. Uh, they're also a lot of a team with a lot of money available to burn on something. So if things don't work, they can trade them. Um, yeah, and I think given this, I didn't realize that about the dead cap. Given what we know about this front office, they'll probably just wait then, um, unless it's a really really big problem. But it, I I get why they're saving the cap. Because they want to extend all of these young guys. Like everybody that's like, oh, this team, these guys aren't extending Chubb. Like that's wrong. I'm sorry, that's wrong. Because you don't save this cap if you're not planning on extending Chubb. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at Jarvis Landry's cap, he has a three million dollar dead cap next year, one and a half the year after. Um, the reason I bring that up is I'm of the belief is that if you trade one of them, you have to trade both of them. And, and whether you know football wise, it makes sense or not, it doesn't. But it's it's from a pure just if you trade one of one of them, yep. they're, one of the other one's gonna be mad. Well, and... I, I think that's definitely true if you trade Jarvis. I'm not sure. I, I think it's true, but like, so like we talk Premier League, right? Like yeah. every once in a while, like one of these guys in at a European soccer club, like a Borussia Dortmund, which is a really good team, mm-hmm. but they're not like. And they are really good. Like, they've won the biggest titles possible, but they're not, like, the biggest, right? They're not Real Madrid. And every once in a while, one of these guys with three years left on his deal is like, I want to go to Real Madrid. And Dortmund will be like, okay, well, then they're going to need to pay us $100 million for you to leave. And the guy's like, well, that's not fair. And they're like, well, you have three years left on your contract. Mm-hmm. And the guy pouts for a little while, but then generally comes and plays pretty well. I-, I think Jarvis would be a very similar situation. I think he'd be a little pouty for a bit, mm-hmm. but... Jarvis is still a competitor, um, and I don't think Jarvis will sabotage the team winning. No, I agree and with that. It's so just... I think you could keep Jarvis. I We'll see. I mean, to me, and you and I have talked about this, what's so frustrating is the receivers are not the problem. Like, no, they're not. Yeah. That's still a really good receiver room. Uh, you know, at least the, you know, the top two are. Uh, you know how I yeah. feel about Richard Higgins. Uh, yeah, but, like, I think Kareem <laughs> Hunt is going to be a good number three kind of like a motion guy like i think he'll be good um they need and i mean i to be fair don't watch much college football what i do before the draft especially this year is i watch like as much film as i can find on players that various organizations whether it's pff or the athletic or whatever flag is like really must watch talents Mm -hmm. donovan peoples jones was never one of those guys Mm -hmm. Everything people are saying about him that watch college football is this guy was criminally misused at Michigan. 
So maybe Peoples Jones becomes one of these guys. But I, I think I agree with you. I think the first two are great. I think Kareem Hunt's going to be a great gadget guy. Mm-hmm. Not sure about the rest. If Odell or Jarvis get hurt, it'll be interesting. But hey, you know what the good news is? No more Damian Ratley. I hated watching that guy. <laughs> really? I couldn't stand Damian Ratley. See, I would rather watch Damian Ratley over Rashard Higgins just because I'm so sick of Rashard Higgins. Yeah, I mean, because I, 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 I know what Ratley is. Ratley's just the guy that's going to go down the field. Yeah, he uh, does. He runs one route. He, and I'm fine with him running run, yeah. one route. I I am just completely sick of people hyping Rashard Higgins to be the same level as Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. So that's oh, that's no, that's it, my problem with Higgins it, it, is that I would Rashard rather add Ratley because I, everyone knows what Ratley is. People yeah, are still I, delusional about Rashard Higgins. The the biggest mistake they made was not trading Rashard Higgins after they signed Odell Beckham. Because everybody knew, like, Rashard Higgins was getting those catches because we had nobody else out there. Mm-hmm. You get Odell, and I get why they let a uh, really fast guy, Baltimore's first-round pick, Perriman. that we picked up. Who? Rashard Perriman. Perriman. I get why we let him go. They should have never let him go. He no. should have been the one they kept. They should have traded Higgins at that point. Yeah. And they didn't. And in reality, Perriman was just like, like, that's what they, like, Bradley can do it, but he's not nearly as good. Perriman is fast. Perriman mm-hmm. had a great year last year in Tampa Bay. And he would have had that role here. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fans loved Higgins for whatever reason. So Dorsey kept him. And you got to roll I, out that I, red carpet. Come on. I think what we saw last year. That I don't blame Freddie for that one. Let me put it like that. I just I think what we saw was that Rashard Higgins. <laughs> we saw what Rashard Higgins actually is, and yep. I mean, it's just it's so frustrating the the mm-hmm. the the Rashard Higgins war that exists on Twitter is just it is just draining. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Well, and as the stats guy here, I hate when people like cherry pick these random stats that mean nothing. And that's exactly what's happening with Richard Higgins. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's a reason this front office didn't give him a contract until basically he came begging for one. Yeah. Like, he can say whatever he wants about getting offered other contracts. I, I don't buy it. I don't either. I, I think the, he basically, listen, the one-year deal they gave him is great for the Browns. I, it's like, it's almost no money. Best case, he's great. Worst case, he sits on the bench again. Um, but it's terrible for Browns fans who just want to see this guy. Because I'm just... Uh, his one year where he was a breakout, and I'm using quotations that nobody can see here, <laughs> 39 catches, 572 yards, four touchdowns. Um those numbers were better than his previous two seasons combined. Mm-hmm. Now, while he was on some epically bad Browns teams with epically bad quarterback play, I, I'm always of the belief if a receiver's good, they'll succeed no matter who the quarterback is. Look at the laundry list of trash that DeAndre Hopkins has had throwing to him in his career. Same can yep. be said for Larry Fitzgerald. Absolute even like trash quarterback play. Yeah. And they produce. But even like not even those that level of receiver. Like there are yeah. other we've seen them with the Browns. Travis mm-hmm. Benjamin. Yeah. Travis Benjamin had 
crap throwing him, and he still put up really good numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Hawkins, same thing. Yeah. You know the the very short experience with uh, Taylor Gabriel, who was like the the poor man's uh, Andrew Hawkins. Yep. He yep. was fine. And he didn't put up great numbers, but he's he's consistently put up around the same stat line his entire career. And he's still had a decent career. Like, he has. He's Ever since he left the Browns, I, I think he's with Chicago, or was with Chicago. Um, Let's see. But he was playing as of last year because I watched him. Yeah, he was on the Bears last year. I have yeah. to check to see. He does not... Play, uh, plan to play this season. He's a free agent. Oh, is it? Okay. Eh, that's okay. I think... Uh, yep, COVID concerns. So, yep. perfectly fine. That's what I expected. Yep. Yep. Um, He'll be in the NFL next year. Yeah. I mean, he's a, con- a consistent guy. He'll give you decent numbers as that third, fourth receiver. and Right. But... I, I, I'd rather have... Taylor Gabriel than Richard Higgins. Oh, 100 percent, 100 because Taylor Gabriel gives you something that Odell and Jarvis and all your tight ends and your gadget running back don't. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Higgins is kind of just a poor man's Landry. Like he does more or less the same things. Um, the, the hope is Peoples Jones can be kind of that guy that gives you something new, but. Everything I've read is they really like Peoples-Jones, but he's not expected to play a lot, at least early in the season. I mean, the, any, any time for a, a breakout, you know, barring a trade or injury for Peoples-Jones is next year. It's not this right. year. Right, uh, which is fine. And Yeah, so and I'm perfectly fine with that, head. too. Yeah. I'm perfectly fine with that timeline, too. But, I mean, let's look at the the reality of the offense that they're running. It's not one... Like they were running last year, where they a whole bunch of wideouts, and also that's not it. It's they're going the complete opposite direction, which points they're going to be running two wideouts most of the season. It's going to be a lot of twelve and twenty-two. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third wideout's going to be Cream Hunt. Yeah, like he is, and I people need to accept that that mm-hmm. Higgins is there in case Odell or Jarvis get hurt. Okay, let's. let's... Let's play a guessing game so we can come back to this after the season. Uh, yep. Rashard Higgins over under receptions this season. I don't know what it is, but I'm just going to make up a number here just for fun. Uh, 20 and a half over or under? Under. I, I actually, I think 20 is what I would guess. Okay. Uh, receiving yards? Uh. 250 over or under? Under, because not not in this offense. Even with 20, he's not going to catch a bunch of 10-yard passes. So, under. And touchdowns over under one and a half? Mm, I'll go the over only because... There could Stefanski just be some weird some, game. <laughs> yeah, well, Stefanski does some weird stuff in the red zone that tends to be really effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, there was one play where he basically had five receivers all in like in the red zone and like got a they kept getting touchdowns off it all year mm-hmm. so I, I think he'll have over on touchdowns but only because he's catching he like, and a Baker like each other 
Right. And, and yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh man. Uh, and he's a backup. Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a backup, and that's for much the role he is perfect for as a backup. And yep. Yeah, I mean, this has been the thing I've been saying all summer. It's what I was saying in the draft, why I wanted them to draft a receiver early. Um, like that kid out of Colorado, LaVisca Chenault. Mm-hmm. I was like, that is the type of talent that takes this offense to a new level. Oh, you know, anything to to not have to watch Rashard Higgins go and people right. complain about him not being on the field or getting catches when, yeah. you know, there's freaking Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry out there and... Why isn't Higgins in the game? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I'm not a... I I don't even think that's a question unless Odell gets traded and we don't have another receiver or one of the Odell or Jarvis get hurt. Um, In which case, all my guesses are off. But I don't think that's going to happen. Now, uh, tight end-wise, how do you think Mm -hmm. that depth chart looks? And how would you use them? Um, Austin Hooper is going to be your do-everything tight end. Yep. He's looked good in camp blocking, mm-hmm. which is what we've expect. Like, he did that in Atlanta really well. Mm-hmm. He's great for this scheme. Austin Hooper is going to have a great year. Not worried about Hooper at all. Um, they're saying Njoku's the two. That's a lie. Yeah. I, Harrison <laughs> Bryant is playing, is the backup to Hooper and the backup fullback. Which to me means Harrison Bryant is being used in more of the playbook, even as a backup, than Njoku. I, I think Harrison Bryant's going to have a few really nice plays this year. He's looked really. He also has looked really good in camp. Mm-hmm. Um, like that play you were talking about earlier with Baker to Bryant. Like that was Harrison Bryant did that. That was not yeah. Baker. That was a bad pass. It was a bad pass. Harrison Bryant made that. Yeah, he he's going to be good. I, I I like the pick is like a long term pick, mm-hmm. but from highlights I've seen, I'm like, oh man, it, this kid's good. It seems like we might have more of a median impact from Harrison Bryant. I think they, a lot of people expected. Yeah, uh, and I, and I've been saying since the moment they drafted him, he's your second tight end. Yep. And people kept going, but Njoku, but Njoku, yeah. and I kept saying, not Njoku. Well, and, like, my thing, and I said this one time on the podcast, like, I could see how there are certain plays where you could use Njoku is almost, like, a really good decoy. But, I or, like, kind of one of these tight ends that, like, gets a chip block on play action. But I, Harrison Bryant does all that. Mm-hmm. So, I... And honestly, he's more versatile, which means he's going to be more impactful doing that than Njoku is. Um, because if Harrison Bryant's in there, you don't know if he's a fullback or a tight end one. Two, you know he's a good blocker. Which means not only can he go and catch the ball, but he also could just be there on run plays. Um, so I, I, I think they probably think they can still get something for Njoku. I think that's something maybe... I mean, Rodney Harrison just went for a fifth-round pick, and Rodney Harrison in no way, or in every way, is better than David Njoku. I know different positions, but, like, Rod, like so he's going for a fifth. The best I think you're getting for Njoku is a sixth. I was going to say, a, like, a conditional future seventh. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be a lot. And, I mean, you were saying this the whole time, and you were right. 
it was a mistake to extend his contract. Mm-hmm. Um, now, maybe the plan is to use Njoku as a receiver, um, but he's not the number two tight end. It, he, he may be like he may see more snaps than Bryant, but it, he's not number two on the depth chart. At least he shouldn't be. Um, if mean, Cooper gets hurt, Bryant's taking his place. It, yeah, it's definitely not Njoku. Right. Definitely not Njoku. Um, right. They're down to four tight ends after initial, initially keeping five. Steven Carlson's the fourth. Great. Um, Perfect. I, that's fine. I, I like Carlson. That's I do fine. too. I, am I crazy for thinking Carlson's more valuable now than Njoku? Uh, I think Carlson has like no value, uh, but it's just largely because he's not going to play um, unless there's an injury. I, I think... Some there's going to be some team that sees Njoku and says this guy's an athlete, no production but an athlete, and they'll call up the trade deadline and offer a sixth round pick or seventh round pick, or like a conditional pick that could be nothing, or it could turn into like a uh, sixth or a fifth mm-hmm. um, if Njoku does really well. It, I think that's the ultimate outlook, and that's kind of like a basket. I, I just. And what may end up happening is they may just keep him because he has more use as a gash guy who sees the field three to five times a game than as a fifth-round pick or sixth or seventh. I'm just, I'm thinking, like, if you had to, if, if let's say Hooper gets hurt, who would you rather see going out there as the second tight end in Joker or Carlson? Um, see, it depends on what the offense looks like. If the offense looks like it's versatile enough that they could change some of the responsibilities, Njoku, because again, he's just a phenomenal athlete. And so he's, he's just a phenomenal athlete. Like you could use him on things. If you're not, if you're going to run the exact same scheme, um, Let's say same scheme, same. It's just you're switching out the players. I I mean I don't know. I I, I like Carlson in the sense that it's like an emergency backup. He's great. I he I mean I, he also has major issues with his game. Um, which like we know that's why he's a backup and that's why he knows he's backup. Yeah, and he's the the fourth guy in the that's right. Part. I mean I. I don't like this offense for Njoku. I've been saying that for a long time. I, I do not think it's a good fit. Um, again, unless Stefanski goes in, like all of a sudden we're running like power eye with at, on pass places. Every receiver just runs straight down the field, <laughs> which I don't think we're going to. I mean, that's what they did like Baker's first year mm-hmm. um, when Freddie took over. And that's why Njoku like looked decent because like that's great for him, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to get a safety on him and Joku's stronger and faster than the safety. And so on those like deep, just long balls, he'll be fine. And I think that's probably what they use him for here. Like on those play action plays that Garoppolo throws a lot or that Kirk Cousins throws a lot that are just these bombs. I think that they probably bring in a Joku for those plays. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. I, I don't trust him to be an every down tight end in this offense. 
I don't trust him to be a tight end in any offense. But um, yeah, I mean, he may end up as a receiver, like long term. That I, maybe I tried pitching that idea out to the universe uh, a few years ago. Um, that they should just stop pretending he's a tight end because he's not. Right. Um. But then there, it, the problem is, is that he can't catch. <laughs> so that's the other issue is that if he could catch, this would be a great move. Just make him a, a big bodied inside slot receiver, you know, having, yeah. having speed against linebackers size against, you know, slot corners and safeties, but the dude can't catch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, he's going to have a few more years in the NFL just because he's that athletic. Yeah. People will keep giving him a chance to be like, if we can just get him to learn how to catch. Well, what's going to suck is when the Patriots are the team that gets him. And then, then all of a sudden he learns how to catch. <laughs> I mean, that's everyone's that's everyone's favorite go to is just the, the Bill the Belichick. Steelers? Yeah, the, the Bill Belichick gift, just him walking out, just being like, This guy got cut, here comes Belichick. It's just like Belichick doesn't he needs his tight ends to be tight ends. Not just athletes. No, no, I think yeah. he would use Najoku as a slot receiver. Um Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, bit like Belichick or Steelers with Tomlin or Ravens, Seahawks, like any of these teams, mm-hmm. I could totally see him ending up there and having a making a career for himself as like a specialist. Yeah, I mean, the Steelers have had tons of those guys that just they barely play, but when they do play, they make an impact. Yeah, I mean, listen, you should never be using a first round pick on a tight end. It just like there there's two obviously the ones you get in the first round have a better chance of being successful, acknowledged. It's not a crowded market, which means, or it is a crowded market. Like, there's a lot of decent tight ends. I, I And I don't know that the difference, like, you're not getting Gronk. So, acknowledging you're not getting Gronk. Mm-hmm. Or, or any of the big guys. You're not yeah. getting Kelsey, right? Kittle. Like, you're definitely not getting Kittle. So, like, beyond that... Mm-hmm. I just don't get drafting one in the first round. That's why I didn't like the Njoku pick. I, I did like Njoku the player. I thought he would be better than he is. But the, it just it was a weird asset usage to me. I was fine with the logic at the time based off of the timeline of the team, mm-hmm. which was they completely gutted it and were looking for people who were athletic and over the long period of time, would develop into players. Right. However, develop is the key word here, and there's been none. Right. No, he's the same player he was when he was drafted. Like, everybody made that joke about the Cavs, and they're like, yeah, Kyrie Irving's the same player he was when he was drafted. And, like, exactly. <laughs> that, like, he, he was drafted that good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, Joku was a raw prospect. Yeah. He's still a raw prospect. Yep, yep. It, he's not a, a great route runner. He's not. He, he's not great at blocking. Not great at catching. I, I can say nope. those two words over and over again. With, you know those two descriptions. But the the route running and is also another issue with his. He's not great at it, and nope. he, he seems to rely more on his physicality. You know size. Uh, and speed rather than, uh, you know, technical, fundamental uh, right. ways to actually play the game. And right. 
if you're good, you can get away with it. But if you're not, right? Well, and you get away with it if you have the right quarterback too, right? Like mm-hmm. I think Njoku go to Kansas City and be like this kind of gadget guy there that gets in five ten plays and look amazing. Yeah. But beyond that, like I don't even know that he does that in San Francisco because I don't think Garoppolo's not good. En- I don't think Garoppolo's good enough. I don't either. Uh, and so I just yeah I agree with you. It's it's just ugh. I wanted the Ninjoku experiment to just I want them to pull the plug on it and I don't think that they will. Um, I don't think that they can now. They could if they hadn't given him the fifth year option. I just I don't understand why they did that. I it, I questioned it big time when it happened. Yeah. yeah. I mean I I. I and. Yeah, I don't know what kind of the logic was. I was it before? I thought it was after we signed Hooper, right? It was after the draft. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was I, after I, they signed Austin Hooper and after they drafted Harrison Bryant that they decided right. to pick up the fifth year option. Um, yeah, I think had they not done that, he actually would have some trade value, right? Because it, what everybody thinks is that value is there when they have two years left on the deal. That's not true, because the, with a guy like Njoku, you're stuck with him. It works in baseball. It doesn't work in football. Right. Exactly. It, right. Exactly. I think that's what a lot of people are getting stuck on, is right. they're looking at it from a baseball point of view. And maybe that's what Mr. Paul De Podesta was doing, was looking at it from a baseball perspective. Um, he does have that background. Yeah, uh, I mean, I but, think the, listen, I think the plan is still to trade him. I think he will get traded. Um Basically, the Browns need to get him one play where he looks amazing. And when that happens, I think they trade him somewhere. He's making $1.76 million this year. He's going to make over 6 next year. Right. I mean, that's what the problem is, right? Nobody yeah. was going to be willing to pay what we've seen <laughs> Ninjoku produce. Yeah. $6 million. It's just... That's frustrating, yeah. and I'm I'm surprised that he actually didn't I'll say succeed in getting traded because he hired the the expert at getting guys out of Cleveland when they want to get out of Cleveland, yeah. Drew Rosenhaus. Yep. Uh, I think up to this point he was uh, had a 100 percent success rate in in doing that when guys wanted to get out. Uh, yeah. You know, last year's being Duke Johnson. Yeah, to be fair, the Browns clearly tried. Like, I, I don't buy anything. Like, oh, oh no. They, yeah. I'm sure they've tried. I don't think anybody wants them. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's the problem. Not for what, like, I think if you called the Patriots and said you can have this guy for a conditional seventh-round pick, they would say sure. Yeah. Um, and honestly, that's probably better value than, like, that. that's value, right? Yeah. Uh, I think the Browns may be asking for more. Um, I think the Jaguars have ruined everybody's trade hopes. Oh, I, yeah. I think the Jaguars are just saying... I think the Dolphins did it last year, too. But if once, you, once that market gets set and it's getting there, then it becomes harder to get value. Um, the Browns, in a way, shot themselves in the foot. Mm-hmm. But at least on Njoku. I, I, Harrison is great. We needed him. 
but I think they shot themselves in the foot on the Njoku stuff by trading a fifth for him. Yeah, and... You know, speaking of the, the Jaguars, I just I just remembered this. Uh, the Browns were in the mix for Yannick Ngakwe. Mm-hmm. Minnesota traded a 2021 second, the conditional fifth for him. It's not really a whole lot. Yeah. I I would not have made that trade for the Browns. Just largely because I, I don't want to spend more money on edge defenders. Yeah, that that's that's the only if if they didn't I guess redo Vernon's deal when they let's say would have gotten rid of him and made that deal, it would have been all for it, but once yep. they, they locked Vernon in, I'm just like, okay. Well, and Miles' extension. Like, what people don't realize about when you pay one edge rusher that, your other edge rusher's not. Like, if you can get Vernon, a guy of Vernon's caliber, for the salary I think you may get, I think Vernon may be your long-term pairing there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just... It, edge rushers are significantly overpaid. And yeah. they significantly... Like, I love Miles Garrett. They significantly overpaid for Miles Garrett. Mm-hmm. Um, they just did. I think why why I am more optimistic about the Chubb contract is that I think the market for running backs is declining significantly. I think they will get Chubb on a very team-friendly deal um, that also has a benefit to him. So I think it'll be like a, basically a five-year guaranteed deal. Mm-hmm. But the money is going to be low. Um, I, I get why you couldn't trade Miles Garrett. I would have been totally pleased if they traded Miles Garrett. Yeah, and maybe they wait. Like if Baker looks amazing this year, they're gonna. Tra- I, I think they may have to trade Miles Garrett. Now, to your point about Nick Chubb, let's let's have a discussion there about a long term deal mm-hmm. with him. He's a great runner. Great runner. Impact in the passing game is my my issue that I have with Nick Chubb, um, because the guys you're seeing are the guys worth paying. A lot of money locking up for long-term deals. Their impact in the passing game is huge. So you look at someone like Alvin Kamara or Christian McCaffrey. Those guys flat out produce in not only running the ball but in the passing game. Um. Yeah, I. I to me, a I think. Nick Chubb could be good in the passing game, and we just haven't seen it. And I don't think we will see it because of Kareem Hunt. Um, but two, I, I just think Nick Chubb does so much for you on mm-hmm. offense, um, and he sells a lot of jerseys. Yeah, and I think that the it, the Browns do not need to give him Ezekiel Elliott money. It, no. Because the thing about Ezekiel Elliott is there's no way in any world he is as good as Nick Chubb. Ezekiel Elliott got overpaid largely because it's Dallas. It's the Dallas. Browns could do the same thing with Chubb. Like, it could end up the same way, and I wouldn't support that. Mm-hmm. I think more likely the Browns play money ball with it is the way the organization goes. After this season, you have one more year on his deal, and then you have... I think one year of options where you can option him as a restricted free agent or as a, you like you could put a tender on him. I, 
I think they probably do that and milk as much out of Chubb as they can milk and then offer him a contract that's fair to his health and his performance at that point. I think most of these running backs are learning that the longer term your deal is, even if it's lower pay, the better. Like, Todd Gurley's still going to get paid from the Rams. And that was smart. And Todd Gurley got a lot of salary, too, but the bigger problem with that deal for the Rams was the years. Mm -hmm. I, I think what's going to end up happening is the market for running backs is going to devalue the money. Like, McCaffrey isn't just a running back, right? He's a receiver. Um, I, I don't think Kamara is nearly as impactful as Nick Chubb. I love Kamara. I, I think part of the reason Kamara was not as good last year as he was the year before because Kamara needs a traditional kind of power runner. He needed Mark Ingram. Um, and he was good last year, but like he wasn't this dominant mm-hmm. when you games kind of running back. Um, I think Nick Chubb is. The question is for how long? Um, and running back aging curves basically suggest he's going to be in his third year. You have four to five more years at best of this type of performance. And so I think the Browns basically give him a deal where he will get paid fairly for the amount of years they project he'll be at this level for. But then what they'll do is they'll give him two more guaranteed years at the end. So I think they'll give him a three-year, like, you get what you deserve. And then the last two will be much lower salary, um, but guaranteed. I think Nick Chubb signed on to that. I mean, that's possible. I mean, but again, you know, my concern with him is the the passing game production. And I know it's he hasn't really necessarily had a lot of opportunities, and it's not necessarily been set up but for him in that regard, but... He's not necessarily someone you look at and says, this is the guy I want to be my pass-catching running back. That's just not yeah. his profile. I mean, it also depends. Like, in this offense, I don't think that matters. Um, like, I, I think what you'll see a lot is how Minnesota used Dalvin Cook last year, who, like, also not a great pass-catcher. But you basically put him, make him run these, like, short routes as the outlet option. Mm-hmm. Um, and you put him in space. And I think that's what they'll do. And I think if he can do that, it'll be, he'll be fine. If he can't do that this year, then I think you you have a point. Because if he can't do that, that means the second he gets hurt, he's done. So I think you have a point there. I, I, I do. It's about, this year will tell us a lot. But I think ultimately, he's getting a new contract. I think... Baker's a wait and see. I think Denzel Ward is a wait and see. Denzel Ward's another wild card. If Denzel Ward plays all 16 games this year and looks as good as he has when healthy the previous two years, mm-hmm. he's going to get a huge deal. Yeah. And so, and I want the Browns to give their cornerbacks huge deals because it's just, it, it's not an easily replaceable position. Um, and so if you're giving Denzel Ward a huge deal and you've already given Miles Garrett a huge deal, then money starts to dry up. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. I, again, there's just so much uncertainty. Yeah, it, it's there is tons of uncertainty with this team to begin with. 
uh, yep. add in all of the challenges that came in with this particular offseason, it just makes things even more uncertain. Yep. Yep. So it's it's going to be an interesting season uh, for more more reasons than one. Uh, I just hope it's fun, man. I, I want the Browns to win. I do too. Uh, to win, make the playoffs. But like at the end of the day, I just think back to two years ago. And I know this just sounds like the most Brownsy thing ever, but like that last half of that year was so much fun, mm-hmm. and we won the games we were supposed to win. If we do that again this year, and that means we go eight and eight, but it's fun and it looks like everybody's improving. It looks like Baker could be your quarterback of the future again, maybe as a like Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo type, but mm-hmm. that level, like I, I would be fine with that. I what I don't want is last year. Last year, it, it, anything resembling last year would be a complete and utter disaster. Like, there were games last year. We could have won both the Rams game and the Seahawks game, mm-hmm. like, very much within the margin of error at that, given the scores, and been 8-8. Eight and eight, I still would have hated last year, even if we were 8-8, eight and eight, because yeah. the team was not learning. The no. team was not improving. It, it, was, it was just all around bad. Yep. So I just want fun. Fun. Fun, fun is a great baseline. I hope for fun. Yep. Uh, I hope the team... Looks like a football team. Yeah, I mean, again, do I think it's out of the realm of possibility to make the playoffs? No, like, I, I think it's very much in the realm of possibility. It just will take a lot of things going right. But I, I don't feel like any of those things are beyond possible. Um, I, I could see the Browns having a very tight that season from last year. Not necessarily saying about Baker, but just, like, they have this great defense, this great run game. Well, they won't have the defense yeah. part, but they'll have other things that the Titans didn't. They'll have a great run game. They'll have great, great receivers. They'll have a really good offense. Like, and I think if these things happen, that that would be that's the ultimate like way I think this season ends. Like, it's fun, and they figure out a way to make these pieces click. I just I don't know. It's so uncertain. I could see the team going four and twelve. I mean, I think that's highly unlikely, but I could see it. Mm-hmm. Let's let's end with one, uh, I guess, last thing. If, is there a certain game where you feel it's this or uh, game this season where you feel that if things are not straightened out and going in the right direction by that date, that things are just like like a point of no return. Let's put it that way. So I think there are two. I think the Cincinnati game, the first one, even if they're 0-2, if they've looked good, I think that's fine. If they're 0-2 and look terrible, I think there's going to be a lot of change very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they're 0-2 and look good, and then let's say by week is week 7. It's week 9. Week 9. So let's say they go into week 9, 4-4. Um, four and four. I think that's good enough that you keep everything going. If they go into week nine, two and six, and they have not looked good, which at two and six, you're not going to look good. Mm-hmm. I think that's when, because it's that week eight game, like three and five sucks too, but like 
at least it like three and five it feels like you're you've probably won some games or a game that you were not favorites in yeah um but i think by week eight we should know a lot we should know if baker's adjusting his offense and will look good in it we should know if the defense has been good when healthy and we should know if Stefanski's a good play caller and as far as i know we don't even know if Stefanski's calling the plays they're playing this this like we're hiding everything game from everybody. I think it's going to be the same as last year with the Vikings. I think uh, what's his who's the coordinator? Uh, what's Van his name? Pelt. But Van Pelt. I think it'll be very much like Van Pelt plays the Kubiak role. Mm-hmm. Um, so he organizes everything, and Stefanski's kind of like the the ultimate play caller. Mm-hmm. But Van Pelt's strategizing what to do with each play. It may end up being what it is. It's very um, possible. And we should we by week eight should know if this is working or if at least it's improving towards working. Again, the problem last year was there was not one point where the Browns improved. Yeah. You know, everyone was looking for towards that second half of the season. You know, lesser opponents, all this other stuff. You know, more time to gel, and it, it never happened. I'm sorry. I hate this idea about strong opponents. Like, guess what? You're in the NFL. I know, uh, and and like, that's that's one of the the things I've I've. I guess started to push back on um, when it comes to people talking about Baker Mayfield um, is that it's he had that run against you know all the bad opponents, mm-hmm. but he's looked bad against good opponents, and so that's my concern. There's been a few games like to, actually the Baltimore games he's looked pretty good, but fair. Fair point. Beyond that, I think you have a very fair point. And I think that's a, a very accurate assessment of who he is as a quarterback. But people get annoyed, or I guess people just trying to say, you know, we'll play the, the weaker opponents, win those games. But you know, it's like, you're going to be playing good and bad opponents all season long. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's your job to win the games you're supposed to and at least be competitive in the games that you're probably not going to win. You want to reduce the variance. Yeah, and and the games that they were not, that they ended up losing last year, in in sometimes embarrassing fashion, they were not even remotely competitive in some of them. Right, right. No, I I agree, and I think that, again, I think Baker's not had good coaching up until this point, and that's not an excuse. I'm not saying it's an excuse. I do think this year's set up, like, everything we've heard about Stefanski, regardless of his play calling is he's a great coach. Mm-hmm. I, I have no doubt that he's a good coach. Um, the, it just, everybody like even players that he benched last year who clearly dislike some things about him will say he's a great coach. Um, like, uh, what's his face? Uh, Thielen. Yeah. Made this point. Like Thielen very like was kind of like, yeah, like I had problems with play calling, but he was a great coach. Mm-hmm. Um, Baker has everything he could like, I'm sorry. Like he has, I think, what a top five, maybe worst top ten receiving core in the NFL. I think Austin Hooper is not that first tier of tight ends, but he's definitely the second. Yeah, he has a revamped offensive line. He has the best running back, like pure runner in the NFL, and he has good coaching. This season will tell us who Baker Mayfield is. Yeah, it will. And that's it. And I think that's important. Um, we will know. But to your point, you're going to face good opponents every year. Like yeah. in the AFC North, more than likely, 
you will face four you have four games at a minimum against good opponents Mm -hmm. then you hit all these other you hit two other divisions where you will also have four games which means eight out of your 16 games every year are going to be be against good opponents yeah you gotta figure it out out. and again if they're losing to good opponents but they're scoring 30 points like this is what i've been saying about jared goff i mean yeah, they did not do well last year, and yeah, this year's team is going to be poor. But Jared Goff consistently puts up good numbers against good teams, mm-hmm. like outside of New England. But even last year, he did. I think Jared Goff is a quarterback you could have for a long time, and with Sean McVay's intelligence, could actually take you to the Super Bowl, and it happened. Um, I don't know that Baker Mayfield is that. I think Baker Mayfield could be that. I, th- I actually think it's modestly likely Baker Mayfield is that. But he needs to show it. Yeah. So, I'm looking at the schedule. I, I hate where the bye week is. I hate the middle of the-, the year bye week. Me too. I cannot stand it. I'd rather have it a couple weeks earlier, especially with the uncertainty regarding the quarterback situation. Because I think week nine's too late to do something that would be considered a season-saving move type of thing. However, I do think that is a potential time that there could be a change at the quarterback position made. That's made the quarterback position after week six. Also, is the I guess other moment in time I could see a change happening because that is traditionally where changes happen is after facing Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh. I actually have a different theory. Okay, I'm ready. I think week two. If Baker looks terrible against Baltimore and Cincinnati, I think they put him in week three. Oh, I I think that's, you know what? Looking at the schedule, I, I 100% buy that because there's a 10-day gap in between games there. Yep, exactly. I, I think that, and I know that sounds extreme, and it would have to take extremely bad performances. Yeah. So I'm not saying, like, if Baker looks okay, they just bench him. Um, and I could see, like, that. Like, if he looks, like, below average, I see, like, the week six and week nine thing. I, I get that. Yeah. If Baker looks terrible, like, the 49ers game last year, twice. <laughs> then I think they go to Case Keenum week three. Yeah. So I think there's variance. I think there is a world where Baker starts the whole season looks really good. I, I do. I, I, I think there's, like five possible options one he starts the whole season looks really good or i guess six one is being injury but yeah five ones where he's healthy starts the whole season looks good starts the whole season looks mixed looks good some games at the others that almost is the worst world for the browns to be in mm-hmm. because you don't know what you have the third is week nine so baker's shown enough before the bye week to continue getting these starts but still looks below average Week six is the one I think may end up being like kind of assuming he's not good and is going to get benched, the most likely one, mm-hmm. because it would mean he is not put in a good performance. And the Browns may have won. Actually, the Browns will have won games, um, but not because of Baker. Yes. I could see week um, And then week two is if Baker just looks horrid. Yeah. Um, so that's from like best to worst. Yeah. I, again, I, I really do think he's a. I know we disagree. I really do think like he's going to start the year and look good, but I I respect your opinion because of that. I, I could see like this week two thing happening. 
mm-hmm. unlikely, but I. Yeah, I mean, week two's you know the only way is if he just looks like completely atrocious and unplayable. I don't th- I don't want to say the likelihood of him being atrocious and unplayable is high. Uh, but I do accept that it is in the realm of possibilities. Yep. Because we've seen him look atrocious and unplayable before. Uh, I think likelihoods is probably if if there's a quarterback change made, which I predicted there would be, it would be nine, six, and three, in that order. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Yep, I could see that. I think I would go six, nine, three, but I could see. I, be, I guess my thing with week nine, like going into the bye week, there would need to be something worth saving. Right. So yeah. With Tennessee, they had still won some games. It just wasn't because of Mariota. If there's nothing worth saving, they're going to just keep Baker in there. I, I think. I mean, this all goes back to to my theory about why they have Case Keenum in the first place, and it's right. it's not because, as I as I so delicately put it. To make sure he has financial security over the long term, it, it's it's a three year deal to protect themselves in case Baker's just done and just yeah, it's well, nothing. Exactly, and listen, part of this deal is Case Keenum is probably going in as the best backup in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I think he is, which is great. I also think. Part of it is Stefanski probably likes Case Keenum a lot and knows Keenum can run his offense. And do I think it was the primary reason they signed him? Absolutely not. I think the primary reason was they needed backup. However, I do believe that they're also, they acknowledge the possibility that if they have to bench Baker, this was the best guy available to fill in and just jump in the offense. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's fair. Okay, so out of my own curiosity, trying to find when the trade deadline is. I think it's going in week seven. See, because last year was October 29th. Um, Trying to see what week that was in 2019 season. Um, that was after week eight last year. So about when the bye week is, give or take. Yeah, so just I was just trying to match it up against uh, their season and what could be... Um, yeah, so if they do have to do multiple things, making a change of quarterback, trading certain players, it could be a a wholesale turn-the-page type of thing. Yep. And and to be fair, I think Haslam has put his faith in this group. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from Deep Podesta to uh, Andrew Barry to Kevin Stefanski, I, I think they will get at least two years. Yeah. And so I think they have his full support in doing something like that. Yeah. it's. 
I think I think it is. Uh, I'll leave I'll, one last thing, then I'll let you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any? I know you know it's it's possible because anything's possible. If you had to put a percentage on things not going well and Jimmy Haslam saying, "Why the hell did I sign up for round two of this?" and pulling the plug, what would you put that percentage on this season? Yeah, five percent. Okay. It's higher than I, I, I thought you were going to say. I, I actually don't think Jimmy Haslam ever pulled the plug on this, to be honest. I, I think Dorsey tried to pull it for him. Mm-hmm. But I even think like this group was still here the first year of Dorsey. I, I think part of the reason Dorsey got fired was Dorsey didn't want to work with this group. And so I personally believe Haslam's going to stick with this for at least another year and a half. Okay. I really do. I I think that Haslam's entire career as a business guy has been about finding market inefficiencies. And I think he wants to find one in football. Whether it'll work or not, I don't know. I mean, I, I, the tough thing for me, like I have my own numbers, Mm -hmm. right. And I do my own stats work. And so there are some things like I, I don't understand why this front office is doing just from that perspective, mm-hmm. but I also know they're smart guys. Yeah. So, I mean, I've I've never discounted them from being intelligent individuals. Mm-hmm. I've never discounted the way that they approach things can't be beneficial. My concern has always been if you're going to go back to a philosophy like this and get rid of the guys that you had there previously to go back to this. Do it with an entire new group of people. Don't bring the band back together. Yeah, and that's go true. go with a go with a brand new group of people who are not there and present throughout the um I guess the you know the bad seasons and the ultimate failures of the team. Start brand new, fresh with a different group of people. Yeah, I mean I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And so, I mean, I think 5% that you put there, it's a, it's a fair number to put on it. Um, I thought you were going to say lower, like 0.1%. But... Oh, no, no, I think 5%. I think the reality is if this does not work by next year, I think Haslam either sells the team or goes with, it probably won't be McDaniels again, but you never know. That I, type I, of option. I think they blew their chance for McDaniels. Yeah, I do too. But I, I think it'll be that type of option. Like, Cal Shanahan wanted this with Patton, and they said no, which is why Kyle Shannon won that. Mm-hmm. I think they will go for one of those guys. The guy that has established himself as a great coordinator, maybe even head coach, but yeah. more than likely coordinator who says he wants to make 8 million different changes. Mm-hmm. And I think that will be the next step, but I think we're a year and a half away from that. Well, alright. Um, it's been It's been fun talking to you about the Browns for almost two hours. Yes, sir. This has been great. Um, definitely have you back later on during this season. Uh, hopefully for good reasons yeah. and not uh, the epically bad ones we're all too familiar with. Yep, exactly. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. This was fun. Mm-hmm.